Hey, y'all. Your fam, Black Fluid Poet. Check it out. If you love this podcast, I want to thank you for favoriting the podcast because it means the world to me. However, the way I can get more advertisers is to have more subscribers. If advertisers um, see that um, I have a lot of subscribers, they will be more willing to give me opportunities to advertise for them. So in order for me to get these ads, I need to get to a decent amount of subscribers. So you come here to anchor.fm and you go to support and you can pick 99 cents, 4.99 or 9.99. Please feel free to pick 99 cents. I, I, I am overjoyed at anyone who wants to support my dream of getting this podcast taking off. You know what I'm saying? So please just consider it. If I could get a thousand subscribers, I could get out of this poverty thing. You know what I'm saying? Because, yo, the struggle is real. Y'all take care. Hey, y'all. Have you ever heard of Old Gods of Appalachia? Well, if you haven't, you have now. Let me tell you. This is a horror anthology podcast and it is absolutely amazing they have characters they have actors they have different people doing voiceovers it is so ridiculously dope y'all gotta check this out um i'm I'm like i'm enthralled i i can't stop listening to it this shit is crazy and i gotta tell you all the actors are they're straight they're queer they're black, they're of color, they're male, they're female, they're they, thems, they, thems. They just, this thing is so diverse, man. And and there's, there's actually some poets involved with this that I actually admire. So this is a big deal. Y'all got to check out Old Gods of Appalachia wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, y'all. It's your boy. Black Fluid Poet, a.k.a. John S. Blake, coming to you live from my humble abode of books during this pandemic paradise with a quarantine been far from cute for a minute. Whew, what a week. Let's see. The Derek Chauvin trial is in day six. And man, the state of... Minnesota has hung this man out to dry. You hear me? Because they know the same thing that you know and the same thing that I know. And that's if Derek Chauvin don't go to prison, you're going to be able to see the fires from out of space. You hear me? This whole country is going to be one struck match. But that's not really what I want to talk about tonight. I think in the in the recognition of National Poetry Writing Month, a.k.a. Naparimo, shout out to all the poets and poetry lovers. Like myself, I am both. But also in recognition of the struggle of famous hip-hop star DMX, Darkman X. This man has been the poster child of so many of the struggles of young black men from his uprising in 
the mid-1990s till now, his struggle with addiction, his struggle with the legal system, the carceral system, and just the struggle to stay human and hold on to our souls in this country. DMX gets a lot of love from me. He has, he has my respect, which is more than I could say for the national media. You know, if Britney Spears had a drug overdose, we'd be hearing about it every hour on the hour. But it's really hard to find New York Times, CNN, other reliable news sources talking about this. They'd like to sweep DMX under the rug because there's a lot of things that DMX has said and done that too many people would like to close their eyes to turn their head away from because we don't want to see what's really happening. And I'll go into greater detail about everything. I know everything I just said was very vague, but we got time. We're going to talk. So let me start off with a poem by a man who reminds me a lot of DMX. It's my boy, Etheridge Knight. A lot of people know Etheridge Knight as junkie turned convict turned poet, but they tend to forget that he was also a Korean War veteran. And that the government got him hooked on Thorazine. And when he came home and Thorazine was gone, he relied on heroin. They also don't talk about the fact that he broke into a little market in the middle of the night. And was sentenced to seven and a half years in prison for it. A veteran. He made one mistake. Non-violent offense. And spent nearly ten years in prison. So this is a poem that makes me think of DMX. And there's another poem I'll read in a little while. This is titled The Birthday Poem. The sun rose today, and the sun went down over the trees beyond the river. No crashing thunder, no jagged lightning flashed from my 44 years across the heavens. I am here. I am alone with the Indianapolis News sitting under this Indiana sky, I lean against the gravestone and feel the warmth whine on my tongue. My eyes move along the corridors of the stars, searching for a sign, for a certainty as definite as the cold concrete pressing against my back. Still, the stars mock me and the moon is my judge, but only the moon. Cause I ain't screwed no thumbs nor dropped no bombs, though my name is naughty to the ears of some, and I ain't revealed the secrets of my brothers, though my balls have been pinched and my back's been scarred, and I ain't never stopped loving no one. Oh, I never stopped loving no one. Etheridge Knight is everything about the United States of America that many of us would like to forget. A veteran who came home and probably struggled to find work, only to find none. Depression, PTSD, anxiety, trauma, no medication, no therapy made available. So he stayed on narcotics 
ran out of money and tried to rob a store in the middle of the night. Sentenced to seven and a half years in prison for it. You know, when I think about DMX coming to rise in the mid-90s, what a lot of people don't understand is that when DMX was finally in his early to mid-20s and becoming a hip-hop star, they don't consider the fact that he was a teenager during the crack epidemic that was happening in just about every black community there was from Boston to San Diego, from Tacoma, Washington to Miami, Florida. He was the poster child, struggling, parents in trauma, poverty in America. And he is also the poster child of success because coming from all of that, only to find himself standing at the top of the hip-hop world. You know, there's a... I'm going to say something that some people will understand, some people won't, but here it goes. I know a lot of crackheads that could have been congressmen, but I don't know any congressman that would last one day in a crack house. Because the game is the same. The lies, the negotiations, the get that, split that, see that see that person. Only to get yourself a little reprieve from the stress and the strain of it all. Always doing something for somebody else to get something for yourself in the end. And hoping to God nobody really sees through your bullshit. A trap house is chock full of politics if you look at politics for what it really is which is who gets what and why the wealthy are always the dealers they're always you know set up in some small room and the congressmen like crackheads keep coming in with somebody else's money getting what they can, keeping most of it for themselves and trying to give off as little as possible to the people they got the money from. If you really want to understand the United States, you got to dissect the ghetto. DMX encompasses all of the things about this filthy underbelly of our country that many of us would like to forget that somewhere right now there are people who just wish DMX would die already so they don't have to they don't have to look at the mess at the muck at all the drugs they allowed to fill black communities brown communities so they don't have to look at the crime that came out of that the suffering, the death. And as long as DMX was on top, at the height of what a lot of people refer to as gangster rap, which I never really... It was was a nice way to pigeonhole the truth. But it was just a lot of hip-hop artists who were, you know, the consequence of the crack epidemic. These were the children of, of crack addicts. 
These were the children of crack dealers. These were the witnesses of the drive-bys and the Uzis. The, the bodies, the blood, the mass arrests, the mass incarceration, our fathers in prison. That's what DMX saw. And that's what he rapped about. He rapped about capitalism. About no excuses. About making it no matter what. And about the sad fact that it shouldn't have to be this way. But it is what it is. And there was a time in my life when I thought, every time DMX talked about God and prayer, I was like, he's so full of shit. Like, he's just a straight criminal. He's a misogynist. He's a, you know, he's a killer. He's he's violent. Like, he talks about God. Like, oh, give me a break. And then, I want to bring you back to Etheridge Knight. This poem is titled, Cop Out Session. <clears throat> I done shot dope, been to jail, swilled wine, Ripped off sisters, passed bad checks, changed my name, howled at the moon, wrote poems, turned back over flips, flipped over backwards. In other words, I've been confused, fucked up, scared, phony, and jive to a whole lot of people. Haven't you, in one way or another, anybody else want to cop out? And that's the truth. It was easy to look at Dre, Snoop, DMX, and a lot of other brothers who were at the height of the hip-hop game and everyone was talking about fuck the police and, you know, we've been out here dealing all night. But the truth is, they wouldn't have had to rap about it if we didn't allow it to exist. At a time when a lot of us considered Anita Hill the villain and Clarence Thomas the victim. We flash forward decades later and we know better. We didn't understand then, but some of us understand now, at least my generation, Gen X. We, we know us up, whether we like to admit it or not. You can't look at the life of DMX without understanding the ghetto without understanding the projects, without understanding the poverty, without understanding the lack of government help. I mean, could you imagine filling, removing all the jobs and filling a neighborhood with drugs and saying, handle it, figure it the fuck out. And that's exactly what DMX did. Growing up in Yonkers, he figured it the fuck out. And he channeled his anger into business, made his money in the street, made no apologies for it, found himself at the top of the hip-hop game, but had a hard time leaving the trauma behind. Because that's what this is about. It's about trauma. It's about growing up black in a country that still doesn't want to acknowledge that growing up black has a different definition of America than growing up white. 
you are, as a young black man, hell, as a young black person, expected to fail as soon as possible. I was watching a TikTok video the other day of this woman who's a social worker who talked about <clears throat> the whole business of adoption and the whole business of, you know, Child Protective Services, Division of Youth and Family Services. And she said it's purposefully difficult to get assistance for your family. They do this to deter poor people from getting help. Michel Foucault, in an essay, was actually a lecture that was given in France in the 60s, talked about this thing called biopolitics. And biopolitics is all-encompassing of hip-hop. It's about how we promote the health and well-being of the wealthy while allowing the poorest, the most disabled, the most disadvantaged to die. And that is not over-dramatization. We allow the poor to die while enabling the wealthy to live, the powerful, the pinnacle the epitome of what we have been made to believe is America, which is the straight, Christian, white, wealthy male. Everyone else, take a back seat. Keep up if you can. If you can't, oh well. And I think of DMX, who had to be revived three times today, who has little to no brain activity right now, yet somehow is breathing on his own, and ain't that American? Isn't that what is expected of us? When we think about the Derek Chauvin trial that's in day six right now, isn't this what it's all about? DMX breathing on his own in a nation that has tried its best to kill him for five straight decades. I'm going to be 51 years old this month. DMX and I, born the same year. Me on the Lower East Side of Manhattan in the projects, him and Yonkers. And our lives could have gone so many different ways. My mother went to prison. My dad was a street hustler with no intentions on ever leaving the street. The man didn't even know his own social security number. He was a hustler through and through. He wasn't going to trust no white man to give him his paycheck. I think about my mother, who at the age of 13 was sexually assaulted, whose parents threw her out because she was pregnant and starting to show, and they were afraid of what the neighbors would think. Ain't that American? I think about DMX's children. And I wonder if they understand. And if this ever gets to them. I, I hope in my heart of hearts, in the deepest recesses of my soul, I hope they understand 
that this has nothing to do with loving drugs more than one's family, than one's children, than one's friends, than one's career, than one's future. It's about hating our pain so much that we will do anything to destroy it. And therapy looks like a never-ending uphill journey. And antidepressants and mood stabilizers. That's just street drugs being dealt by the pharmaceutical companies. And people like DMX and myself, we, we fall back on, on what we know always worked. At least what we told ourselves would work. At least, at least for a little while. Just, just a minute. Just a second to breathe. That's what addiction is like. It's having this God-sized hole that sometimes we just don't know how to fill. We don't know what prayers. We don't know what faith. We don't know when to, when to walk away, when to fight. We just cope. And I know there's people who hear me right now who understand what that feeling is to just cope. Sometimes all you can do is keep your mouth above the current. While the rest of you is just fighting like hell underneath. But on top, your face looks calm at the surface of the water. The sun on your face. You don't know how much we're kicking underneath. I can't help but think about the songs and the truth that DMX told. I remember the song Slippin' where he said... I've been through mad different phases, like mazes, trying to find my way. Mm, mm, mm. If I'm strong enough, I'll live long enough to see my kids doing something more constructive with the time than bids. I know because I've been there. You don't walk around with the 80s in your brain and function in a healthy manner. You just don't. If you grew up in the places that I grew up, you just remember the smell of death. You know, you had neighbors, your friend's father, your, you know, your sister's ex-boyfriend, your close relative dying in a back room from AIDS from sharing a needle or because somebody was queer and afraid to tell everyone. And it was all hidden. It's all a secret. It's funny how the poor are hidden from the wealthy, but then in the poor communities, the ones struggling the most are hidden from the other poor. We didn't talk about who had AIDS and who didn't. We just said they were sick. We said they were losing weight. We said they don't feel like getting up today. They haven't eaten. Everybody makes fun of the crackhead. You ever notice that? I mean, potheads are considered caricatures. You know, it's, it's almost, almost innocent. Somebody who smokes pot two, three times a day, four times a day. I mean, they're an addict. No matter how you slice it, they're an addict. But 
Yeah, it's harmless, you know. I mean, there's no real desperation about them. You know, people consider them like, you know, some kind of a hippie stuck in, in flower child mode, you know. I mean, look at alcoholism, you know, the town drunk or, you know, some lush or, you know, that uncle that doesn't know how to shut up during the wedding reception. The grandmother that loves to have one too many glasses of wine at Thanksgiving. We talk about heroin, at least before the white people started dying from it so much. The junkie. Now, the junkie was the career addict. The heroin addict was the quintessential definition of addiction. And it was a perfect definition for the drunks and the potheads because as long as we weren't as bad as them, we were okay. You know, the heroin addicts were the ones who lost limbs to infection, got blood poisoning, got AIDS. In and out of jail, they had bullet wounds from dealers they owed money to or you know, a lump on the side of the head because the wife put them out because they done spent the rent check again. But in the 80s, that new breed of addict came, the crackhead. And man, did the crackhead become the joke. Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock in New Jack City, it just be calling me, man, it just be calling me. With his lips all caked up and white, Dave Chappelle flushing himself down the toilet to escape an intervention and possible rehab. It was all a joke, fodder for the healthy, for the able-bodied, for the people not struggling with addiction who didn't watch their mothers go down the drain holding that glass pipe. They didn't know what it was like to watch 20 police officers run in a building and arrest anybody that so much as blinked. They don't know what it's like to watch a jail fill up with all your friends' parents. They don't... They don't understand how desperate 16-year-old boys were to bring money home so their mothers didn't have to work so hard so they're... Younger sisters and brothers had food to come home to. Kids who took bullets, who endured physical pain when they came up short to some head dealer. Kids who were bringing in five, ten thousand dollars a day in the 80s, only to go home with five hundred dollars. Kids who made a name for themselves. And even if they did do three years, five years, ten years, no one's ever going to forget that they were at one time on top, that they bought a BMW with just a bag full of cash and couldn't nobody tell them nothing. They had the best clothes, the best ride. They were eating the best foods. And somewhere in the back of their minds, while these kids were out there gun-toting, Slinging crack 24 fucking hours a day. Everybody thought that was the only way they were going to make it out of there. One going to be a whole bunch of other options. 
especially with a president like Reagan. You remember Reagan. That was the man that said that African leaders just finally learned how to wear shoes. Called the monkeys. Same man who tried to disarm the Black Panther Party by making it illegal to bear arms in the state of California when he was the governor. That president. Same president who couldn't even say the word AIDS during his entire time in the White House. That is, until Alzheimer's took over and Nancy Reagan started doing all the talking behind him like a damn manic. <sighs> like a damn ventriloquist. DMX came out of all of it. And admitted it. Admitted to all of it. All the nastiness of it. Being out in the street four days straight dealing on parole, hoping to God he didn't have to go back to Rawway State Prison. Gave scenarios on his CDs about how arguments started and how quick they finished. How maddening the drug game was in the street. How people got shot just for making mistakes. There was no room for error. Now tell me that ain't Congress. It's funny. Crackheads need money to get crack, but the money is the crack when it comes to the Senate. The bullshit and the I'll be there in five minutes, which turns out to be four more years. DMX reminded us that we weren't forgotten. Those of us who grew up in the most wretched imaginations of society. People who were dying a social death every day that they rose. I think of George Floyd strung out on fentanyl. And you know, it's funny how when it was all, all these young white girls who had a back problem or a knee problem, got some oxys, next thing you know, they're shooting dope somewhere in Boston or North Phoenix or North Miami or Southside Houston or the South Valley of Albuquerque. Then it was the opioid crisis. But now that it was George Floyd strung out on, on fentanyl, you know, he was a junkie, probably died of an overdose. No, DMX said, no. He said, where's my dogs at? Where are my people at? We right here. We're not going anywhere. Where the hood at? You know, if he passes... It's just another day in America. But if he makes it, if he makes it, oh God, we'd have to admit that all this money we chase, all this sex that we long for, 
all this companionship and perfect bodies, all of it. We've been jived to a whole lot of people, haven't we? In one form or another. It's time we cop out. Y'all have a good night.